0: Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio
2: B here in our facility. Good setup.
0: Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans
2: might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hey, how goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. It's Thursday, and we are coming to you from the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans. We call this Studio B, and we're so glad that you're with us today. I'm Sean Kelly, and Pretty busy day here on campus. The Saints are on the practice field uh, this morning and are set to wrap up this week's OTAs. And uh, then the locker room will be open and the media will be converging upon the Saints as to uh, get their feel for what's transpired over practices Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this week. And then, yes, finally, the NBA Finals start tonight. Game one between the Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. Everyone's excited about that. I am very much ready for this series to start. I thought the weight was okay. I think it gets both teams lined up and ready to go. And uh, finally, it kicks off tonight out in Oakland, California. We'll uh, extensively preview that series today. We'll learn more about Alvin Gentry today as we uh, discuss things with Sam Amick from the USA Today and Mark Stein from ESPN. Both guys will give us their thoughts right here on today's Black and Blue Report. And then Saints-wise, we're going to cover a couple of different storylines. I told you yesterday that uh, Kenny Vaccaro would join us today, and Certainly we're looking for Kenny to have a better third season than his second, and uh, he's, I guess, reaching veteran status here now after two seasons in the black and gold. had a chance to visit with him here during OTAs, and I want to share that with you today. And then one of the other great storylines that we'll watch, not only through OTAs but then minicamp and into training camp, and and that's uh, the wide receiver position. What's next for that position group? Obviously there are some uh, names that – will certainly, uh, you know, obviously jump off the page with Marcus Colston and whatnot. But then, you know, I think uh, they are ready to uh, put more responsibility towards some of the youngsters that have been coming up through their program via the practice squad and whatnot. And one of those guys is Brandon Coleman. And uh, he is looking to certainly make a great impression here in this offseason. And uh, Coleman is our guest as well on today's Black and Blue Report. Uh, tomorrow on the show, we'll certainly wrap up this week's OTAs in earnest. Uh, as, again, things uh, wind down and then a media session later on, uh, and we'll make that transition tomorrow. We'll also, of course, uh, look back at uh, game one of the NBA Finals. But today we're, we are full, so I need to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll begin our conversation uh, about the Saints today with Kenny Vaccaro and Brandon Coleman right after this.
5: What's up, Black and Gold fans? This is Anthony Mackey, Seven Wall soldier, Drew Brees' disciple. You are listening to the Black and Blue Report. All right, welcome back to our show.
2: We'll start with the Saints here today on this Thursday. And as we mentioned, Kenny Vaccaro, um, a part of our festivities. Kenny and Jaris Bird certainly um, were billed as a possible dynamic duo at the safety position going into last year. But injuries had a lot to say about that storyline and the way things ended up in the 2014 season. Well, all is new again. Both guys are healthy And Kenny Vaccaro is looking to have a much better third season than his second. Tell me about what's transpired here of late with you guys.
6: Uh, We're all meshing together. Um, It's been an exciting week. First uh, week we can get on the field, throw the ball around and compete.
2: Is there a a sense of renewal amongst you guys?
6: Oh, yeah, definitely. When you go through what we went through last year, uh, guys come in hungry, uh, competing. Um, It's fun, man.
2: You've had a couple of campaigns now to kind of compare and contrast. So what have you learned?
6: Learned a lot, I mean, coming in my rookie year, we had a lot of success, and then going through what we did last year and the injuries we had, you just um you learn from them, you grow from them, you get better.
2: How long did it take you to kind of take a look back? you know sometimes it's like, man, it just happened, I can't even yeah. figure it all out. When did you start to soak it all in and say, "Okay, now now I got to do this, this, and this I mean,
6: shoot, as soon as the season ended, mm-hmm. I had a bad taste in my mouth the whole off season. got back to work
2: pretty quick. What did you change? everybody kind of changes something in the off season either to improve on something or spark some new interest. What was what was your sure process? I just
6: made sure my body was really, really, really healthy. I felt last year my ankles really kind of held me back the whole year. And um,
2: I just made sure I was in really, really great shape like I was my rookie year coming in. As far as being a, a position group, what what do you like? What have you uh, been able to gain here in these early days?
6: A lot. I mean, we got a good group with the addition of Browner, um, Bro, uh, Swan, PJ. I mean, just a lot of new faces, but we're all meshing together well. Everybody's hungry. And uh, it's a good vibe.
2: In, in other words, a different feel from last year, where it was still getting getting pieced together. You know, Jarvis was still hurt; he was he was not there. Yeah,
6: definitely. You know. I mean, me and are gonna have a full off season together. Um, Raphael Bush is coming along strong. Everything's good, man. It's just, it's a, it's a new
2: feeling around here. It's helmets and jerseys, I know, but what what most is gained by this time of the year? These OTAs.
6: I uh, just the mental aspect of the game. Uh, you can compete. You don't have You can get in shape during this uh, time period. Can't really hit. But you can show what you know about the game, and you can, uh, I don't know, just dial down on your technique. Thanks, Kenny. No problem.
2: I hope the, uh, the continued good health of Vicaro and, of course, his uh, position mate, Cheris Bird, carries well into the summer and then certainly into the fall for the start of the season. Brandon Coleman is one of the guys trying to turn heads right now during OTAs and the upcoming minicamp, fighting for more responsibility at the wide receiver position. Uh, We've had our eye on Brandon for some time now. He has yet to really kind of break through. He certainly has the size and the look of possibly a very durable and effective wide receiver for Sean Payton and the New Orleans Saints. Coleman is looking forward to furthering his spot here with the black and gold. I can't wait to see what you've got in store for us after a full year under your belt now. you know, um, I think Drew Brees and Coach Payton both said earlier today, It's like night and day compared to what just even at the end of the season
5: was like for you and and others coming into OTAs. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about the opportunity that I have, and I do see that I do know that I made improvement from um, last year at this point and to this year. So I mean, that's obviously a good a good sign. Tell me about the process last
2: year. I mean, to go to go through that and never really see, I guess you know, true playing time and everything else. Mm -hmm. that that takes something to grow from you know and I mean, i'm curious
5: as having never been through it myself right. i would be i'd be interested to see what you had to say um for me it was uh i was i've already kind of been through that situation mm-hmm. i was red shirt in college so it was kind of the same situation you know if, if you really if you really think mm-hmm. about it you it's it's kind of like a red shirt year being on a practice squad um so i mean i was really you know it took me a while i've been through it before so it took me i handle it differently mentally yeah, and it's, it's, a pretty, it's a good mental aspect that, you, that goes into that. So I was able to handle that and, and, and battle through that whole season. And, um, you know, I feel like I came out on top.
2: Don't take this the wrong way. But in order to get more playing time, get more catches and all that, obviously through your process so far, something's lacked. I don't know what it mm-hmm. would be. You probably will tell me better than anybody else. What were those things and what have you gone about fixing to take that next step?
5: I mean, it's just got a lot to do with off the field, you know, taking care of your body a little bit more. And then, you know, getting in the playbook, you know, I'm a lot more confident than what I was last year. So if you know the players, you know, you can just, you don't have to think as much and you just go out there and, and play. Number twelve is still here teaching, isn't he? Yeah, man. It's, <laughs> I'm thankful for that opportunity, just to you know, just to get all the information I can out of him and why he's here.
2: But yet, otherwise, this position group seems to be wide open, Brandon.
5: Yeah, I mean, that's just you know, that's just the way it goes. But I have no control over that. It's my job to come out here and perform.
2: When you look at OTAs and what this time
5: of year means, what do
2: you hope to gain most out of it?
5: Just you know, it's a little bit more confidence, a little bit more. Uh, uh, playing time under my belt, just, you know, just being comfortable in the system and um, just take it from there.
2: Did you change anything with the way you did your off-season routine this year?
5: I mean, last year it wasn't a real offseason because it was kind of like training, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, this was my first real off-season. So, you know, I'll look for the next season to see if I'm making any adjustments.
2: Did you work here? Did you go somewhere else? How would you go about, went, about
5: it? I went back home and um, I, I, I trained there because I was still doing school online and then I did an internship, so I just went home.
2: Is it hard to do it on your own after being part of such a structured environment, whether it be in college or here in the NFL? Uh,
5: no, because you're still training with other guys like from around the league, but that's in your hometown that all come back home. So um, it wasn't hard. Is training camp feel close or still far away? Um, it's coming. It's coming.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yet the heat outside is not quite what we'll see in August, right? No,
5: no, no. Yeah. That's, just, that's, that's not even half of it. All the best. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
2: So there you go, two of the visits we've had here recently during OTAs with Kenny Vaccaro and Brandon Coleman. Game one of the NBA Finals is tonight. We'll begin our preview of that on this Thursday with Sam Amick from USA Today right after this.
5: In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition, and Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz, and we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans.
2: All Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting.
0: We're talking NBA playoffs on the Black and Blue Report.
2: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Well, of course, finally the NBA Finals begin tonight. uh, Cavaliers and Warriors, and uh, we're pleased to bring in Sam Amick from USA Today to help us uh, get our final piece of the preview done. I thought that he and Jeff uh, Zilgit uh, framed it up quite nicely as far as the number one storyline goes going into this best of seven series when they uh, talked about the dream matchup that is Uh, excuse me, LeBron James versus Steph Curry. And uh, I thought it was rather interesting, Sam, as we welcome you in, that you threw out Magic versus Bird in in that sentence at the same time.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, Sean, is it it really feels like you're talking about, you know, you got to go that far back to find this kind of a matchup. You know, we had LeBron versus Durant, you know, not too many years ago, and that was tremendous. But this is different. You know, Kevin Durant wasn't an MVP yet in this league. At that time, and uh, and Steph Curry's star has risen in a pretty amazing way during this year. And then I think for him to run into a guy in LeBron in the finals, that obviously he's got four MVPs of his own and two championships, and so much on the line. And you know, and I, the matchup to me is just tremendous. You, know, you got two fan bases that you know somebody's going to be over the moon, Cleveland, whether they get their first title or the Warriors fans, and whether or not they get you know their first championship in 40 years. I think there's a lot of new uh, elements to this matchup that should be fun.
2: I guess these are probably the two teams that I thought would be here at the end, Sam, and maybe that's the case for a lot of NBA fans, but, but maybe like me, I'm not so sure that everyone has truly appreciated what this moment could be like. Do you, do you get the feeling that across the NBA world that there is uh, some sense of um, unappreciation for how good this series can be, not only to watch but for the game itself? Well, I mean, I hope people
1: appreciate it. I think they—the ratings will probably, if I got predicted—I think the ratings will probably show that people do appreciate it. You know, and I know even in our little corner of things, in terms of people reading material, and you know, do they care about this series or not? The indications certainly seem to be that they do. Um, And you know, like you said, on the one hand, this is what we thought we would see, but. The one storyline, and, and if people maybe aren't appreciating one element enough to me, it's probably LeBron and the Cavs and their ability to even get to this point. I mean, I thought it would be the Bulls or even the Hawks getting here, with Chicago having the kind of experience that they've had the last couple of years, adding Paul Gasol. You know, I, I just thought that they were farther along the road to getting to this point. LeBron, you know, year number one back in Cleveland, bunch of guys who have never done this before, never even been in the playoffs. Uh, I think that's the part to me that we're still kind of sleeping on. It's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, so two coaches here who have never been in this position as well, at least in their current roles, uh, Sam. And and I look at, you know, obviously Cleveland has the heavy experience right there in LeBron James. But for the most part, this is a somewhat new experience for probably the majority of the key people involved in this best-of-seven series.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the whole thing. The newness component, it's just something else. You know, you got two first-year coaches. You got, you know, stars. Even LeBron has never been here when it comes to the context. And, you know, LeBron is – he's tried to put a team on his back before, a Cleveland team, uh, but I think this is even different than that. He's never had a guy like Kyrie Irving next to him, you know, at this point in in his career like Kyrie is. So, you know, whether it's that and, and, again, the fan component I think is big. You know, that part is fun, but uh, it's just, it's, I forget the old stat about how, you know, it's been a long, long time since somebody, you know, not named Kobe or Tim Duncan uh, or Dwayne Wade, or even going farther back, Michael Jordan was in the finals. You know, this is uh this is a new thing.
2: Absolutely. You want to, uh, you want to stick yourself out there on the edge and say who wins this series and how many games?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I felt good about my prediction from the standpoint that I was uh standing behind it I have been going with Warriors in 7 but uh last night a, a buddy of mine from ESPN was challenging me he's like man you can't don't you know you can't pick seven games it's just that just means you don't really know what's going to happen so you kind of go and, go one way at the end so wh- where it gets interesting is he said you know you got to go better than that and, and I was like all right Warriors in 5 if you have to you know like I'm sticking with the Warriors I think they'll win the series I, but I don't think they would be you know, closing out uh, in Cleveland. So however many games it takes, I think the Warriors and their depth and just how potent they are on the offensive end, and then I, and we talked about things people are sleeping on, how good they are defensively. Do they have a LeBron James stopper? No, because nobody does. But they've got a bunch of long, athletic, you know, willing and able defenders who I think are going to just be coming at them in waves with new energy every few minutes. I think it's going to make it tough on them. So I think the Warriors end up winning this
2: thing. All good points. No doubt about that. Of course, the Pelicans are waiting on the end of the finals to uh, to meet and uh, say hello to their new head coach and Alvin Gentry. Uh, Sam, what were your thoughts and perhaps the thoughts of others around, uh, you know, I guess the national scene uh, covering these finals and these playoffs as to the news that the Pelicans were taking Alvin Gentry away from the Warriors when this is done?
1: No, I think very good hire. I know some people felt like it wasn't splashy enough, you know, Alvin's a guy who has been there and done that 12 years as a head coach, four different stops, he's a pro, um, but I like it a lot from the standpoint of what that team is going to probably look like defense, I'm sorry, not defensively, offensively, and Alvin, is, as you know, Sean, you know, was right there in the thick of the Phoenix Suns, seven seconds or less, heyday with Steve Nash and Mars Stoudemire, and he takes over, after Mike D'Antoni leaves and gets that team to the conference finals, he knows how to coach offense, and with a guy like Anthony Davis and a roster that is, you know, has the ability to be up tempo and just get out and go, I think he's going to get the most out of that team on that end of the floor, and you know, and then defensively, you know, they will uh, they'll have to keep doing their thing. I know they've been trying to go after Darren Erman who would be a good defensive addition to that staff. Uh, but I think it's a good hire. I think that if you would have gone a different direction, you know names like Tom Thibodeau were out there, then certainly that team would have improved a lot defensively. but in today 's NBA, we sit here talking about Jeff Curry LeBron James and two of the best offensive teams in the league in the finals here. I think when you 've got a, a young guy like Anthony Davis, you know the idea of of injecting as much offensive creativity into that situation as possible is a smart one.
2: Yeah, how much does Davis's game change, Sam, in your eyes, with Gentry now moving him around?
1: Um, I mean, you've seen the evolution. Uh, you know, Monty Williams, I thought, did a really, really good job of bringing him along slowly that first rookie year, managing minutes, and then on the offensive end, the, the load that he carried increased incrementally. But, you know, they would gotten it to a point where he was the guy that you threw the ball to. The difference now, I think, is that you're not going to be throwing the ball to him in the half court as much, and so I think the it's not it's not just the the you know being on going on the break and, and that up tempo part of the game. I think it's even you know secondary breaks and and motion offense and just the idea that you know you've got to put as much as possible on Anthony's back because of what he's you know able to do. Um, so I think Alvin should be good.
2: All right. Fair enough. We can't wait. We obviously can't wait for the uh, series to start tonight, obviously, as far as the games go. And um, as I'll remind our listeners, if you're going to make a list of guys that you want to follow in this, uh, in this uh, NBA media core, I put Sam Amick right there in that top five. Must read, of course, at USA Today and usatoday.com. Uh, enjoy the series, Sam. I can't wait to see what, you, uh, what angle you decide to take. And uh, we'll all be watching alongside you as uh, I think we've got a wonderful NBA Finals on tap.
1: Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it. Be good.
2: Yep. Sam Amick from USA Today. It all starts tonight, Game 1 of the NBA Finals. For 27
4: years, locally owned A-Confidential Transportation has provided New Orleans with premium transportation services. The modern fleet of A-Confidential sedans, SUVs, limousines, limo buses, and vans are operated by fully licensed and insured chauffeurs. Whether you need to transport corporate clients or you're headed to a special event, let A-Confidential get you safely there on time. With affordable pricing, call 504-712-1700 to book your A-Confidential Transportation today.
0: In New Orleans, our irrepressible spirit flows like the river through everything we do, especially when it comes to sports. Following the boys in black and gold or watching the Z's on Airline Highway, New Orleans redefines what it means to be a fan. And this year, we're flocking to the nest to watch our New Orleans Pelicans take flight. The Whitney is a proud supporter of the New Orleans Pelicans, a great team for a great city. Whitney Bank, member FDIC. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson.
7: Welcome back to the show. We continue our NBA Finals preview on this Thursday. Tonight, Game 1 between the Cavs and the Warriors. And to help us continue our preview, I welcome in Mark Stein from ESPN and ESPN.com. Mark, uh, we're finally here. The NBA Finals after a week is upon us.
3: Yeah, you know, I got to say for me,
7: the, uh, I was kind of dreading such a long layoff, but it went,
3: it went pretty fast. So uh, I know that maybe isn't the majority opinion. I think everybody is
7: ready to see some games again, and uh, let's
3: do it. Throw that ball up. Let's go.
7: Absolutely. How do you think the layover uh, affected both teams? I know both teams had some injuries to deal with. Do you think it helped them more than it hurt them?
3: I think both teams needed it, to be honest with you, with Steph Curry and then Klay Thompson taking pretty hard hits late in their series. You know, the Warriors are the ones that you would have thought wouldn't have wanted to stop playing. Uh, they ended up needing every ounce of that layoff. And Cleveland, because of the state of Kyrie Irving's knee, they needed two. So, honestly, sure, there's gonna, I mean, there's a chance that game one's going to be a little raggedy because of the rust, but I would say both teams probably needed it.
7: You've been covering the NBA Finals. or You've been previewing it on SportsCenter all week long. What are some of the biggest storylines for you from either side?
3: Well, to me, it's...
7: I mean, look, if you want to just boil down the matchup, it's
3: the the consensus best player in the game going up against the deepest team in the league. I think that's the way kind of if we're looking for a broad brush Mm -hmm. to paint this thing. But LeBron has so much on the line. Can he finally lift the Cleveland curse? Can they win the first thing in Cleveland for a bazillion years? And if he doesn't, he's going to be two and four in finals. And you could say, okay, a lot of those times his team wasn't the favorite, but still for LeBron James to have a record of two and four in the finals, if they lose this thing would be pretty shocking. And then on the Golden State side, it just fascinates me that they don't have anybody who's been here. They don't have a single second of finals experience on that roster. How are they going to cope with the biggest spotlight in the sport? We don't know. They think they're going to be fine and – They've mowed through three rounds of the playoffs here with, what, they've only lost three games. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I I think it's an unknown, really, how they're going to cope with the pressure of the NBA Finals, which it is different. It is a a different stage and a different feel out here at these games.
7: You also have two first-time head coaches here in the NBA Finals. How do you think that will affect the series?
3: Well... I mean, Steve Kerr has certainly been in many finals as a player. He's got an experienced staff with Alvin Gentry and Ron Adams at his side. I think he'll be fine. And David Blatt has, you know, David Blatt has obviously never been in the NBA playoffs before. He's never been in the NBA before this season. But he has coached at the highest levels and has been in these kind of do-or-die games before. So I think they kind of neutralize each other. I don't really see that as being a big factor, to be honest with you.
7: Let's go with the next factor for both teams. I know LeBron, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, those are big factors for Cleveland and Golden State. But how about a a different guy that could be a next factor for both teams? Well, Golden State has the luxury. They're so much deeper. Mm -hmm. It might be two guys this night. It might be two
3: guys in Game 2. It might be a different two guys in Game 3. They they have a lot of possibilities in terms of guys who might step up and and be that Patty Mills kind of guy like we we saw in last year's finals. But – I think for Cleveland, all eyes are on J.R. Smith, given the state of Kyrie Irving's health. LeBron's going to need shooters around him to make shots and loosen things up because you know Golden State's going to be so geared to stop him defensively. Uh, J.R. Smith, he can be breathtaking on his day. He can shoot you right out of it when it's not his day. Flip a coin, I don't think anybody knows. I don't think anybody can predict. The one thing I would say, though, is I don't think J.R. Smith's going to be phased by the moment he... He doesn't seem to be affected by hoopla and things like that. So, keep your eyes on J.R. Smith. I think he's going to be the barometer in a big way for Cleveland.
7: Should the Cavs be concerned with Kyrie Irving? He says he's not a hundred percent. Should they be worried about his health in the series? <laughs> yes, they, they are.
3: <laughs> they are concerned about it. I mean, look, even Golden State, I think to a to a degree, still has to worry about both Curry and Clay Thompson until they play without issues. And you see it with your own eyes. You're not sure. But it's no secret Kyrie Irving's not 100%. He's not close to 100%. He's going to be playing this series. hurt. He's playing at a compromised level. So what can he give him? How much did this week off help him? Those are questions to be answered. But, yeah, the Cavs are are concerned, no doubt about it.
7: Moving along, switching gears, uh, one of the coaches for the Golden State Warriors, Alvin Gentry, will move to the Pelicans as a head coach. Uh, when the series is over. Mark, you're one of the first ones to break the news on Alvin Gentry to the Pelicans. What are your thoughts on the move?
3: I'm a big Alvin Gentry fan. Uh, I, I think he not only has a way with players, but he's had a big impact on the Warriors' offense, which has been the most fun to watch and top two in offensive efficiency all season, Really, the Warriors offense is kind of a blend of what Greg Popovich does in San Antonio and what Mike D'Antoni and Alvin Gentry did in Phoenix. Alvin Gentry had a big hand in kind of melding those two styles. And and really what the Pelicans have decided is we want to play faster. Mm -hmm. The Pelicans were 27th in pace last season, too slow with Anthony Davis and the kind of athletes that are on that team. So I think what the Pelicans are thinking here is if you have Anthony Davis, He's such a good defender. You're going to be a good defensive team no matter what schemes you throw out there, but offensively can Alvin Gentry unlock Anthony Davis offensively and, and really let him take advantage of the gifts and the talent that he has. And we, you don't see a guy his size who can not only shoot from deep, but the way he handles the ball as well. So it's going to be real interesting to see what Alvin Gentry and Anthony Davis can do together. But I, I think Alvin really was the favorite from the start, and, and it's a sensible hire to me.
7: Does this roster, like you mentioned, fit Alvin Gentry in his offensive scheme?
3: Certainly. I think you'd want to get more shooting, mm-hmm. uh, but there's a lot of teams that would say that. Look at the Memphis Grizzlies. Imagine what they could do if they had more shooting. But, yes, it's a team of guys that I think would rather get up and down than play slow. And, again, 27th in pace last season, the Pelicans played slow, I don't think – you know, I think Tyreek Evans and Drew Holiday and Ryan Anderson, I think these guys want to get up and down, spread the floor, and play a little bit more of an open style. So I do think it will suit them.
7: I know you talked about defense for a little bit. We do have Anthony Davis who led the league in blocks, but for for most people, Alvin Gentry's not known for a defensive guy. Is there any concern on that point or with the roster and how he fills his staff, there really shouldn't be a problem with that?
3: Well, that's why you saw the Pelicans move so fast to uh, – to swipe Darren Ehrman away from the Boston Celtics, and they've had to make him associate head coach to do it, but Darren Ehrman is kind of seen as a young Tom Thibodeau. If you look at the impact he's had on defenses in both Boston and here in Golden State, uh, those teams have improved dramatically with his involvement on defense, and, and the thought is he'll essentially be Alvin Gentry's defensive coordinator. So I think that's shows you how important that was to the Pelicans that they felt the need to go out and get him right away and they got that done
7: good stuff that's Mark Stein from ESPN ESPN ESPN.com you can watch out for him uh, all throughout the finals uh, on ESPN and uh, the website as well Mark as always thanks for the time and enjoy the finals it's finally here
3: save me a table at Shia can't wait for my next meal there on my return to New Orleans
7: no doubt no doubt we we will Mark uh, we'll be right back
3: Do you have all the right moves to be a member of the hottest dance team in the NBA? The Pelicans dance team is having open auditions for their 2015-16 squad, and you're invited to try out. Audition prep classes are starting soon, with open auditions happening Saturday, June 13th at the New Orleans Pelicans practice facility on Airline Drive in Metairie. Get details on these prep classes, open auditions, and full Pelicans dance team coverage now at pelicans.com. Fast Relief,
0: call Keith. The heat is here, and Keith's Air Conditioning and Heating is ready for action. Keith's is South Louisiana's A.C. replacement specialists. When you're ready for a new high-efficiency, money-saving air condition unit, call us. And as always, call Keith's, and we'll get you cool in three hours or less, guaranteed. Keith's Air Conditioning and Heating. For Fast Relief, call Keith.
1: This is Pelicans guard, Eric Gordon, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
2: Hey, make sure you check out NewOrleansSaints.com later today. Uh, John Deshays will be anchoring our coverage with the help of Justin Stout, Alex Restrepo, and Ashley Amos today. They'll be covering uh, Saints practice and then the ensuing media availability afterwards. We'll take you through the rest of the day on NewOrleansSaints.com and then continue our coverage tomorrow here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll also be looking back at Game 1 of the NBA Finals. We have, may have a note or two about American Pharaoh. Do we have a Triple Crown winner coming at us this weekend? That'll be interesting to see. We'll check all that out for you on tomorrow's edition of the Black and Blue Report. Uh, special thanks again today to Daniel Salerson interviewing Mark Stein. Thanks to Mark from ESPN. Sam Amick, a great guest today as well from the USA Today. And then our football conversations with Kenny Vaccaro and Brandon Coleman. Hey, stay uh, hydrated today. Stay uh, cool if you can. It's going to be a bit warm here in southeast Louisiana. Hope it's great wherever you may be listening to us here uh, from Metairie, Louisiana. And uh, for all of you, uh, we, again, thank you for not only listening and spreading the word, but we want to remind you that this is no appointment radio. It's yours at any time and virtually anywhere, as you can get this program through uh, your mobile device through each of the team apps or at neworleansaints.com, pelicans.com, or downloaded free to your phone, or mobile device via iTunes. I'm Sean Kelly. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on the podcast. For Saints and Pelicans fans, it's the Black and Blue Report.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and pelicans.com